0: Welcome to our podcast for College Catholics, where we discuss faith and spirituality from a Catholic perspective. Today, I have a guest, Dr. Lawrence Feingold, and we will be talking about confession because uh, in the previous uh, episodes we've spoken about confession and indulgences. So now I thought I should uh, invite Dr. Feingold to speak about sharing his thoughts about confession. So, Dr. Lawrence Feingold is a professor of theology at Kenrick Glennon Seminary in St. Louis. He got his doctorate degree from the Holy Cross University in Rome, and he converted to Catholicism in 1989, together with his wife And uh, while they were engaged in realist marble sculpture in Pietra Santa, Italy. He is the author of several books, uh, Touched by Christ and The Natural Desire to See God. So Dr. Lawrence Feingold, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me, it's a great pleasure. Yes, it's great to have you again. Uh, last and previous episodes, we spoke about all your conversion story. Um, so just to go directly to the, to the main so meat and potatoes of this um, podcast, because I know there's a lot to talk about. Um, we've been talking about confession, right? And how God uh, forgives us our sins through the ministry of the priest, through the sacramental ministry of the priest by the grace of Christ. Christ is the one acting through the priest. If we do a good confession... Uh, we say our sins. The priest, uh, through the absolution, forgives our sins. Now, uh, I mean, I imagine at one point in time you you were an atheist before, mm-hmm. so uh, surely that must have been uh, almost a scandal, right, to have to say one's uh, sins to a priest. So, what was your experience uh, in your process of conversion before, right, uh, when you were, uh, you know, converting? And uh, what? How did you, what was your experience? Right, coming from atheism, having to say you know one sins to the priest, right to the human being. Um, well, let me say something
1: at the very beginning of our conversion before baptism, and it, the the first time I ever prayed in my life. And what happened right after I made this prayer? Teach me to love and be a light to others. What came into my mind was sins of my past life, and that I had to. Ask for forgiveness. That was something that wasn't from me. That, um, but then um, so we went. Um, we ended up being um, entering the Anglican Church
0: uh-huh. in Florence. And there's no confession. And no Anglican. confession,
1: right? So yeah. we weren't told anything about confession. And um, then went through the RCIA Some months later, after reading John Henry Newman, and um, in the U.S. back in Long Island, and in our RCA class, we weren't uh, confession wasn't one of the topics.
0: Right uh, now, RCIA... Right, right, it was it, a process of uh, teaching you catechism in order to become Catholic. That's
1: right. The rite of Christian initiation for adults. So they should teach you. Yes, things. that should be a part okay. of RCA instruction. Um, so I, um, we didn't make a confession at that point. And uh-huh. it was about, um, I think it was about nine months later, uh-huh. um, the following uh, Christmas, when I, it kind of dawned on my wife and I that, oh, ca- confession is still a thing. Right? Right. I had just it's assumed it was something of the past. And... Um, so we made our first confession um, about nine wow. months after we received into the church. And um, yeah, it was a liberate. I mean, I don't think my experience is that different from other people's. Right. It's obviously always um, difficult on one side of the, the um, before you get into the confessional.
0: Right. Having right. Good, and also, if it's a confessional, you're, you're intimidated, naturally mm-hmm. speaking, right?
1: Right. Um. But it's, the, it's a liberation, right? And so that's, I mean, I think my experience coincides with so many other people of and remembering that one speaking to Jesus right, right? that's and, and key
0: thing that's a key that's, thing to that's have that's the most important right? yeah
1: to re, you're speaking to Jesus you're telling him what you wouldn't want to say to anyone right. right what you would most want to conceal but that openness to Jesus and to the priest that he's using as his instrument enables us to open ourselves to who we are what we've done and to his mercy in a way that respects our human condition.
0: Right. And that's why I think uh, because there's all um, this sort of controversy today in some some countries, in some states, where they they want the priests to uh, break the seal of confession under certain circumstances and the Catholic Church has always defended the seal of confession. That means that the priest has a sacred obligation to not say anything he Mm -hmm. has heard in confession. Now that makes sense because the the person doesn't confess because he's a priest, or because he wants to say things. Because he always knows that the priest has the obligation to remain silent, mm-hmm. and this is why we have the where, like we 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 take courage, right, and and say these things. So the moment if if the seal of confession disappeared, right, the sacrament would exist, but nobody would probably go to confession right? anymore.
1: Right. Yeah, and so in my experience of confession. Um, right. is that there's, yes, there's this um, a nervousness beforehand, but a, um, a joy that can't, can't be humanly explained. Mm. Right? And we read about that in the scriptures, that there's a peace that comes from above. And um, that's, I mean, God doesn't, we shouldn't just go by our experiences, right, obviously, because people will experience things differently, of right course. according to the needs of our spiritual life. But um, in my experience, that joy of reconciliation is something that can't be humanly explained um, other than by our faith in the sacrament, right? That we've been restored to right relationship with
0: Jesus. So it's similar to that peace that Christ says that he will give us a peace, not like the peace of the world. Mm -hmm. Which very often is an excitement, right? So the worldly
1: kind of, what we think of as peace is some... And something that matches my um, enthusiasm. But um, this piece is something that um, lasts, right? That has. Um,
0: it's a different doesn't source. Dissipate. Right, it's different a different source. source and it's a different um, degree of excitement, less excitement normally, mm-hmm. but it lasts longer mm-hmm. and it's more profound also. Right,
1: right. John Paul speaks of it. So John Paul II has a marvelous document on the sacrament of confession. And um, he makes use, as he often does, of a biblical verse. And he makes use here for a confession.
0: That's reconciliatio and penitencia? Yeah,
1: re- okay. reconciliation and penance. Okay, perfect. Thanks. And um, he makes use of the, the prodigal son, right? That's uh-huh. the classic text for confession, right? And all of us are prodigal sons who, right. Right, who spend our inheritance on prostitutes and gambling, and in other words, things that don't fulfill sins. Yeah, sins which look attractive but don't give that peace, right? right that don't fulfill. And, and we have to come to ourselves, right, as the prodigal. And an interesting, I mean, part of, I mean, most people's experience is um, we can hit a certain bottom and that can help us to come to ourselves as the prodigal son. And, and then um, grace suggests right? Returning to his father's house. And that's, that's the profound experience in confession, returning to our sonship, right? That divine sonship um, that we see um, expressed in, in baptism, right? So at Jesus' baptism, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. Right. That identity that we get in our baptism, that's what mortal sin destroys mm. and penance restores. All right, that's theoretical. But the fact is, in in... Living the sacrament, we experience that um, rediscovering our sonship and our identity. Um, but um, many, so my experience, I think, in RCA wasn't entirely unique. In other words, many in our Catholic culture don't frequent the sacrament as perhaps in previous times. Now,
0: why do you think that is the case? Why, yeah. why is that happening?
1: So, I mean, there are many factors, but probably the, the sing, single most important is simply in a secularized culture, right, we tend to look for self-help, right, and so it's... I psychology. Can, yeah, psychology. I can which heal is myself. Good at, it's good in sure. itself,
0: but it doesn't have the same effects.
1: Right. It's not talking to God. Right. And it's not receiving something that only God can give. Right. And so, and a culture that in which... Um, yeah, in which God is, in some sense, put in second place, is inevitably going to um, be a culture in which the sacrament of penance comes into crisis.
0: So, you, you would say there's a crisis, then, about, uh, with well, confession? Th-
1: that's, so that's a phrase that Jean Paul II used in that uh-huh. document, Reconciliation.
0: Well, which then. was in 1978.
1: 1980. 80. Um, yeah, 88 or 89, I forget exactly.
0: But, right. But 1980. Some decades ago.
1: That's right. And it hasn't, I mean, it still is. Right. right? And um, um, and one of the things he—so he goes through various causes, secularism being the most important. Others are, might be even um, things that are in themselves good, like psychology, but making an absolute—in other words, substituting psychology for um, what we said— Grace. Grace and forgiveness that are proper to God. Um,
0: there, um, are... I, th- I think there's another, another a realistic um, uh, cause— and that is that there's less priests, mm. right? So being that there's less priests, the priests have to, uh, many times they're asked to be administrators, right? right. And uh, inevitably we, we feel that, okay, I don't have all this time right. to sit down and, and, and hear confessions.
1: Right, but you should. S- right. So I teach, right, 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 right. at the seminary where I teach, I teach a course. Um, I team-teach it with a priest, but I do To seminarians. To seminarians. And you tell them. On the good. sacrament good. of presence, right? And so, just, so one of the things I tell them is, and make an analogy with a doctor. So, imagine somebody who, you know, goes to medical school, spends all this time studying medicine, goes, you know, does four years of residency, and then starts his private practice and sees p- patients on Saturday afternoons from 4 to 4.45. Right. That would, you know, be utterly absurd. What doctor would do that? Right. But, I mean, all right. Hearing confessions isn't your only sacramental task, but it's a huge one. It's the place where you—and that makes possible that one-on-one personal encounter with Jesus in where I'm most vulnerable.
0: Yes, and also because this uh, podcast is also for young people, for young adults, I have experienced that many young adults appreciate— the priests on their on their campus being uh, available for confessions, right? And they remember that, and I remember that was important for me when I was in college, uh, because we do sin, right? And we need to be forgiven to feel less unworthy. Let's say, right? right? So, so that's an important point uh, that if if priests would be available for are available, and they are in many places, they're very holy priests also that are available, uh, but there is a less sometimes less availability, right?
1: Right. And very often I think the the faithful are aware, hopefully, some of the faithful are aware that there's an obligation to yearly confession. Right. But um, as there is for yearly communion. But um, it would be foolish, I think most people recognize, to receive communion only once a year. Right. And in the same way, it would be foolish to limit the the power of the sacrament of confession, making use of it um, sparingly like that.
0: Right, maybe, and that that may be another reason. Now that you talk about communion, uh, another reason why sometimes there's less confessions or less uh, a crisis of confession is the idea that uh, many people receive communion regardless of whether they're in state of yeah. grace or not. Right. So, right. and we should always receive communion in the state of grace. Now, if I'm going to stop going to communion when I'm in the state of mortal sin, then I realize, oh, I need to go to confession. Mm -hmm. And then I will go to look for the priest. Father, can Mm -hmm. I go to confession Mm -hmm. or find the times where there's confessions and the schedule and try to be there so that then I can receive communion?
1: Right. Yeah, I think it's very important for us to see the connection. So even though we don't need to go to confession for every Holy Communion, we should see the connection between the two sacraments in terms of spousal relationship. So the Eucharist is a. The sacrament of the bridegroom, Jesus, who gives himself to us, his bride. But in order for that total self-gift to take place, the relationship has to be—I um, can't rupture the relationship. The relationship has to be restored if I've put a grave um, barrier. harm. Yeah, barrier into it. Just as in a marriage, right? So in a marriage, um, if there's been a rupture in the marital relationship, say you know an infidelity, I can't
0: just—we can't. Sit together and have lunch. Yeah, as if nothing had happened. Right.
1: There has to be reconciliation first. right? And so it's that way with Jesus, That's our perfect. bridegroom, in the
0: Eucharist. That's great. So what, would, what recommendations would you have, uh, would you give to someone, like uh, many college students, right, that either uh, are never practiced the sacrament of confession or a long time since yeah. they last received the sacrament, or they come from other religion, they're Protestant and they converted, and they have a hard time going to confession, what would you recommend to them?
1: Yeah, great question. So I, I teach RCA in St. Louis, the cathedral. And this, so all of those who are in the RCA who've already been, let's say, been baptized many years earlier, it could be decades, they have to make their first confession before, and this can be a tra- traumatic. So what I, and then they're not, obviously, they're not the only ones who might have been a long time without right. coming to the sacrament. So, the key thing that my principal advice is just remember it's you're speaking to Jesus, not to Father Patrick
0: right, right, or right.
1: whoever. I mean, yes. And in,
0: but Much better speaking, to speak to Jesus than to speak right. to me.
1: <laughs> and so, we're speaking to Jesus, and we want to bear our soul to him. And therefore, we need right. to bring to him what actually is on our heart and start there, right? So, start with what I'm most embarrassed of, with what I don't want to say, and that frees up the soul. Um, and it liberates and um, yeah, so that's simply my ex- uh, recommendation. Remember it's Jesus, come to him with um, as we might think you know Mary Magdalene came to him in the gospels. And then if it's been a long time since we've been to confession, say that in other words, say when the last time has been and um, and perhaps we might, depending on the case, um, needs a little help from the confessor, of course at times um, and um, yeah, that's really, that's all my right.
0: advice is right there. One thing I would add to mm-hmm. that is uh, to remember, sometimes the um, people have, especially younger uh, people, younger people, um, they may have a fear of what the priest will think about mm-hmm. me, right? And uh, so what I tell, uh, when I notice that the mm-hmm. students are mm-hmm. trembling, uh-huh. <laughs> like fearful, I said, Look, I'm here. I became a priest to hear confessions, not mm-hmm. not to hear them, but to absolve sins. Right. And uh, so I'm here to do this as a doctor. You know, as mm-hmm. a doctor to help uh, the the wounds. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, and also I have heard it all. I've heard yeah. everything. I've, I've heard confessions in prisons everywhere. Mm-hmm. I've heard uh, mm-hmm. anything that you can imagine. So I won't be scandalized. And uh, you should just not worry about me think as you said think it's our lord speaking to you and i'm i don't exist here right
1: and to think jesus is edified by our openness and vulnerability and that's the what we should have in mind in other words and precisely bringing what is true is what edifies in some way rather than scandalizes
0: Right, very good. Well, thank you very much. Now yeah. that we're coming closer to, okay. to, to Lent, uh, I would encourage everyone to take this time of Lent to go to confession once or twice during, during Lent and prepare well for, for Holy Week and the Feast of the Resurrection. So, well, thank you very much, Dr. Feingold, for I'll being. Look, can
1: I add one more yes, thing? Yes, of that? course,
0: of course. So, this is a little more theoretical, but one of the great fruits of
1: confession is that the sacrament aids us precisely in what we've brought. And so, if I bring where I'm vulnerable, I'm going to be aided in my vulnerability with actual, with graces that come and meet me in my everyday life.
0: So, it's not just a remedy, it's also vitamins.
1: That's right, yeah. (laughs) It's not just having the past sin forgiven, but precisely strengthening us in living um, a life configured to Jesus.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, for being with us today. And uh, if anyone... Uh, Thanks. you would like to share this episode for with others, please do so, uh, so that others may benefit from this, and uh, please make sure you uh, follow us in uh, Spotify or any platform that you use, and if you can, uh, give us your uh, review and uh, rate us in these platforms May God bless you, and we will see you next time